it's the next level. And welcome into this issue 130 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Captain Crewcast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. This is the first show of 2019. Uh, last show of 2018 for us, as we mentioned last week. We recorded uh, these last two episodes back-to-back so that we could take a little bit of a break going into the new year. But... Even though Rob and I technically at this point have not celebrated New Year's yet, it is the new year for all of you, and even though we can't talk about ours, I'm sure it was great. Uh, I'm I'm sure we had a good time, Uh, but we definitely hope that all of you guys uh, uh, brought in the new year safely, and you, you had a great time as well going into this next year. Yeah, most definitely. So, but, uh, again... Not a lot um, that we really have to talk about this week, with the exception of this is going to wrap up. This is going to be the conclusion of our three-part talk of DC streaming universe of DC Universe's streaming service, DC's Titans, uh, in which uh, two weeks ago we talked about episodes one through three. Last week, seven through um, seven through no four through seven through seven, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, today we are going to talk to you about we're going to break down and talk about episodes eight through 11, uh, which is going to wrap up the season. Uh, We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but there's really, there's definitely some stuff that we need to talk about. Uh, All of it good. I don't think there's really any negatives going into this, this, this back half of the season. Um, But it's very much straightforward. Uh, A lot of the character development has already taken place in the previous episodes. Uh, Yeah, I think with the exception of one character we have to discuss that was introduced at the end. Uh, Well, and then a tease, and that's about it. Yeah, well, and then um, I take that back because there are two characters we were already introduced to that we get more of their backstory. So there's definitely some more character development for those two. Um, And actually a third into that mix as well, in addition to uh, Donna Troy, which we're going to probably kick things off with. Um, But yeah, this is pretty much the point where we know who our big bad is going to be for the season, uh, and we push forward to the end at this point, uh, leading us with a a big teaser, a big cliffhanger going into season two, and one hell of a tease that got me extremely excited for season two. Yeah, so, most definitely. Which we'll save that for last, since that was the tease going into it. Um, I even posted on Facebook that I was like, yeah, I, I actually, I posted on Facebook, I took a screenshot uh, of something that would kind of tease it, but not give it away. And I posted it on Facebook, and uh, Shad, who's one of our listeners, was like, um, I need to go back, because I didn't watch past the credits. And uh, yes, you do. Uh, to anybody <laughs> who did not watch past the credit, well, and I kind of understand why because for the most part past the credits was simply just nothing but a teaser for the next episode uh going through this season uh but the tease if you have not watched it yet 
I'm going to put this moment to you right now. Uh, if you're listening, if you've watched Titans and you did not watch the end of the credits of episode 11, pause this podcast. It's literally two minutes long. Pause this podcast, jump right to the end, watch it, and then come back because we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so, no. <laughs> there's no there, way we there's... cannot. There's a lot of importance for this, uh, and I mean a ton of importance because, yeah. <laughs> I think there, you kind of teased on it two weeks ago, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you I, did I, think mention, I, did, I did mention, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not what I was thinking it was when you said it. So kudos to you that you said it well enough that I wasn't expecting it, and I got really excited when I saw it. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's jump right into things. Uh, and again, we're going to talk about episodes 8 through 11. Uh, I'll go through, I'll read the synopsis for the four episodes, and then we'll just jump right into it. Cool. Uh, starting first with episode 8, Donna Troy. Corey's memories are beginning to return. Rachel bonds with her mother. Dick seeks out an old friend for guidance. Uh, episode 9, Hank and Dawn. The story, the origin story of Hank Hall and Dawn Granger. Simple enough. Episode 10, Coriander. Corey's memories have returned and she reveals unexpected answers to Dick and Donna. Rachel tries desperately to save Gar after a sudden illness hits. And finally, we have episode 11, Dick Grayson. Dick takes a dark journey back to Gotham and holy shit I cannot wait till we start talking about that finale <laughs> I cannot wait uh, we're going to talk about that we're going to save that for the end and then we're, we'll talk about the um, the teaser at the very end as well uh, but let's talk about episode 8 we're getting an introduction to yet another character uh, to correct me if I'm wrong but she is a member of the Titans in the comics correct oh yeah yeah no, okay. Donna Troy is very much a she is, she is Wonder Girl original yeah, yeah. She is, she is the original Wonder Girl before Cassie Sandsmark. So. Now, I'm wondering, uh, we do, obviously, there are mentions of Diana. Um, and uh, I, there's even mentions of, of Bruce and Wonder Woman in this as well. Uh, I'm wondering, because there, there's a couple different backstories to Donna. Um, in some, she is uh, a, a normal daughter who was orphaned who was brought to Themyscira and raised uh there's some where she was actually created from clay as a weapon to be used against diana but in return was not used that way it unless i missed it i don't think they ever explain what her true backstory is yet no they they did not yet and i'm sure that's going to be we're going to find out probably next next season we'll hopefully get a little bit more about that so. okay because uh, i'm Cause I'm, th I'm thinking they're probably going to go the more prob maybe possibly orphan into raised on Themyscira aspect. Probably is my guess. I mean, that's kind of what I took from it, but we'll, we'll it's a wait and see. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, obviously we got the introduction to this character. Um, what were your first impressions of, of Donna uh, when we met her? Uh, again, it, it's somebody else that brings levity. Uh, you know, like I think when we talk about Dick Grayson, feel like he's missing that classic charm. Uh, we see that and that suaveness and kind of smooth talking. We see that play out with Donna because they have that friendship there. Uh, you you don't see that with Hank and Dawn, but you definitely see it here with with Donna that they do have this good rapport, this back and forth, this playful banter. And that's the first time I feel like we truly see that traditional Dick Grayson. So I, you know, I think she really brought out a really positive spin, but we do see a pretty fierce, you know, character. And I think she, she works well, but again, with also bringing a good level of levity to the show. 
So she's that next piece uh, of the puzzle. I think that if she continues to be a major character, uh, they've got a continuing winning winning recipe here on the show. And, and I agree with you. And I think it kind of plays out the same way that we talked about this last week with Gar and Rachel. Um, in that they just kind of have that connection together. Uh, the only difference is with Gar and Rachel, this is a new relationship, a new friendship that's budding. And with Donna and Dick, this is kind of something that's already been established. Uh, we're, we're getting a little bit of that flashback to when they were kids to realizing that these are two characters that have known each other, known each other for years. So mm-hmm. we're, we're getting that um, the same way that, that connection between Gar and Rachel kind of bring out that heartwarming aspect to one another. Uh, you mentioned, you know, we get that lighter side of Dick uh, Grayson with uh, when he's with Donna is because I think it's kind of the same situation. These are two characters that kind of are bringing out the inner heart of one another. But I think Donna, even in her own, even without the interaction with Dick is um, God, every time I say that, it sounds like I'm talking about porn um, with, with Dick <laughs> Grayson. Um it's it, I think she kind of carries the heart on her own, but she just brings it out in him when he's around. Yeah. Most so definitely. I think she's a character that could kind of hang that could kind of have it on her own. Yeah, no, I agree. So, I, I think they really they, they pulled this off incredibly, incredibly well. But so. one of the other things I really it, I really loved about seeing um, about seeing Donna portrayed on the screen and again donna is another one of those characters that we mentioned like with doom patrol and and kind of the titans that i'm i wasn't too familiar with outside of what i know from animated series and such um i like the fact that she is a character who kind of very much opposite of of dick who is very you know, brutal, and he's still trying to find uh, issues in his life that he needs to get sorted out. Donna is very grounded in that she knows she has these abilities, but she doesn't use them unless she has to. She's trying to make a difference as a photojournalist rather than a superhero. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I love that aspect of that because I think that's going to become very important. And we talked about this. We'll talk about this today. Um, She's a key aspect in that journey that Dick is taking towards Nightwing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and there's even a conversation that the two characters have in that she tells him, like, if you can't be Robin, uh, you need to be, you You can't, you shouldn't be, if you're not going to be Robin, don't be Batman. You should be your own thing. Right. And that right there, that's the night, that's Nightwing. That's the key to what we're going to see the transformation of Dick become. Yeah, we definitely see that happen here. And, uh, you know, it was cool to see that moment kind of start to play out. Um, yeah, and you do get, definitely see that first hint that that's to come, uh, which is great. It, it's, you know, after the Asylum episode and you have this here, you know, that's that's that very clear moment where you're like, OK, that's that's that start of that idea to become something new. And I, I really thought that they really did a great job with that right there. So, yeah, no, I I, I agree with that as well. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. I'm, I mean, we do see we do get a taste of Donna kind of as Wonder Girl, but it's it's very low key. It's not, we don't see any unless I'm completely mistaken. I don't think we get any really heavy fight scenes from her. I mean, like I said, we we have the bit that happens really very briefly when she does go to uh, to the one job where she meets up with the poachers. But that's kind of about it. I mean, and it's again, it's very quick. 
this was a really heavy focus purely on what was happening there. We do see, you know, the other side story that's happening with, um, you know, the stuff on the train with Corey and, and Gar, where we find out the U.S. Marshals are, are, are after Corey. But that's that's really beyond that, though. There, there's not many other pieces that are that are kind of playing out here. So, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I can see that as well because I, I really don't think i mean don't get me wrong it was absolutely fantastic to see the, to see donna troy uh, um uh, you know portrayed on screen especially knowing that like we talked about with uh jason todd we do know that she is going to be a big part of season two uh we do know that um uh, connor leslie is signed on for season two we don't know in what aspect yet but it's going to be really great seeing this team build uh into next season so I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with Donna as well. Um, I want to stick to the, the whole Corey uh, aspect of the train and kind of focus a little bit more on episode 10. Okay. Um, I want to I kind of pass Hank and Dawn for the moment because that, sure. that, that episode kind of stands on its own and there's a lot to go into in that episode. Yeah, actually, you know, we can kind of save that one for the very end discussion, kind of post the finale maybe. Uh, I don't know. That's a that's a tricky one. Uh, I think we can talk about it before we talk about the finale. Um, yeah, that's I, true. I think we just kind of tied this episode eight and episode ten together because they are still kind of uh, grounded in the main story. Um, one of the things that we had talked about a couple weeks ago when we first started this was how they were going to approach the uh, Corey being an alien aspect. Uh, and, you know, we do find out in the Donna Troy episode that she is able to read this version of ancient Sumerian uh, in which she's familiar with it. She has the books that she can translate it. And it's it leads them initially to believe that Corey is a weapon to be used against Rachel and mm-hmm. to basically eliminate Rachel. Um, I, I think I read that situation properly where was she, is she in actuality a weapon to be used against Rachel or was it the tra- translation read incorrectly? Well... <sighs> It sounds like she was – that's tricky because they kind of talk around that point a little bit. They, they give you the idea that she's essentially is there purely to stop her. Um, and it sounds like it, it's – we do see you know in episode 10 when we are on, on the ship, we, we basically see them scared – or not them scared, uh, Tamarin destroyed. Um, and then – you know, we find out that is after Earth, Earth is decimated. So she's pretty much there to, to put a stop to her completely. But it's so. it's the blending. I think it's the blending of memories that kind of prevents her from doing it. Like she her, her original memories are returning and mm-hmm. she realizes what she is there to do. But they're kind of blended together with the fact that and she even says it before. She even says it at some point like this is a girl that I love and I, I tried to kill her. Um, it, it might be the blending of those memories of knowing what she was there to do, but knowing now who this person is, uh, that kind of prevents her from doing it once they kind of snap her out of it. Right. And I think that's really the big piece is it's kind of, she understands what she was trying to do specifically, uh, was to stop her and to kill her. And then it's, I think it's just meant to be believed that even though she didn't remember what her original goal was. Uh, she ended up falling, uh, you know, you know, like having this piece of, of, of love for, for this, this girl that she, she couldn't potentially ever do this to her, you know? Yeah. Uh, so even though that happens, she finds a way to kind of split 
that mindset. I think that's kind of what we're led to believe by the end of that. Yeah. I want to I want to point notice to the to that line of, you know, like I tried to kill this this girl that I love. And because there is a little bit more to that statement than I think meets the eye. And we have to remember that this is maybe over the course of these episodes, this has maybe been a matter of a couple days. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I would say it's probably we're, we're looking at over the course of with the amount of travel that they do in the maybe show. Maybe a week. Uh, uh, maybe two a week, two weeks, give or take. Okay. I would say probably no longer than two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I, I okay. I could see that. But this is a character who up until this point has been very hardened. Um, she's very rugged and rough around the edges, which is great because I, I love that about her character. But this is a moment of her really opening up. And even in just one line, in this short period of time, the fact that she has grown to love Rachel kind of in one line shows the unity that this team already has. Right. Um, you know, that they've spent this short amount of time together, but they've already been through this hell between... You know, trying to, her trying to recover her memories, knowing that there's something to all of them and trying to, you know, and, and fighting this nuclear family that in this short amount of time, this has already been a bond that has brought them all together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and like you definitely see that that connection and correlation of those characters. So, yeah. Um, but other than that, between those two episodes, I really don't know. Uh, I mean, we did. uh Oh no! Sorry, that's the finale. Uh, we we didn't talk about that yet. Um, I, I think the only oh no, it does happen in this episode. Um, we find out that um, Angela, Rachel's mother, is not on the up and up. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not like we didn't see that one coming. No, but... n- not at all. Um, but yeah, we do find out that she pretty much was working within the agency to uh, to help to release Trigon. And by the end of episode 10, leading into the finale, we meet Trigon finally. Uh, yeah. Um, you a know, physical and, embodiment of Trigon. Right. And the reason we see this happen is we find out that uh, Beast Boy has been poisoned, essentially. Um, you know, basically we're you know, led to believe that Angela is responsible for trying to kill him in order to push Rachel into having to bring Trigon into the mix, uh, to help save him, uh, kind of this, that, that mental twisted push. So we do see that play out, which is why she does call him in. So now there is a line that happens in that episode and I don't think we've seen play out yet. Uh, and I don't think we're going to see it until episode two, uh, or season two, uh, at the end of that, when we do see the human embodiment of Trigon and Trigon and Angela are talking about, you know, Rachel uh, and, you know, how they've gotten her back. And, and he says, no, not yet. She still has to have her heart broken. Um, I don't think that's played out just yet. Well, that's pretty much seeing Dick uh, what happens in the finale. Yeah. OK. All right. I that, wasn't that, sure that, if that was the case or not. That's seeing Dick kind of fall. Uh, in the finale and, is what and that's meant to believe and give in to his uh his darkness right so um okay before we get into that let's jump back a little bit okay. and let's talk about episode nine hank and dawn uh we have uh both last week and two weeks ago when we first started this we have done nothing but praise these two characters and you know the development that they've done of these uh one of the things though in that two you- short 
short episodes, yeah. they, they managed to make these characters phenomenal. I, I was already sold on a spinoff from Hawk and Dove. Yeah. This episode made me even more... Um, it made me fall in love with these characters even more because they are such a... They are total broken characters. Um, but I think that's really what drives my interest in these characters. And we we talked about this two weeks ago in that you familiarized me with the fact that, you know, um, um, Dawn is not the original Dove. It was actually Hank's brother. And we got that in this yeah, episode. Yeah, I... I did not anticipate that they were going to do this here. Um, and I was like, you know, I even made that comment when we talked last, well, two weeks ago uh, for the listeners, uh, one week ago for us, was the idea of, you know, are they ever going to bring up the fact that, you know, uh, Don Hall existed and was the original Dove? And I'm like, well, this was very much proof positive that, <laughs> yes, they are. Like, and I did not anticipate this. And, man, going through Hank and Don's life together was intense it was it was incredibly intense uh going back to them as kids and the atrocities that happened to hank we find out that uh that he was sexually molested as a kid but kind of took that bullet for his brother like no knowing that that was about to happen and forces his brother to go home and he's like fine i i'm I'm gonna do this i know this is about to happen uh there's nothing i can do about it and if I try to go to anybody, uh, this could be the end of us being able to be at the school and kind of getting pushed back down. All these things like we we see this this intense scene play out. And it, it was hard not to be on the verge of tears watching what was going down. Yeah, uh, it was it, it was it was truly intense. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an uncomfortable scene to watch because we know it's something that that's real in this life. But one of the interesting things I think is important to point out is um, while Hank is definitely for sure a broken character, I mean, everything that he's been through from childhood until now, uh, it's very interesting to point out that people in this universe have become villains for less. So the fact that even though he has these these health issues with concussions from football, he's molested as a child. Um, the fact that he still becomes a hero, even if it's a struggling hero, says a lot about his character. Yeah, it really does. And like, I like the fact that you know, even his brother's kind of like, look, I, I know what happened to you when you were younger. I know you don't want to talk about it, but football was your outlet because of these events made you kind of an angry, angry person and you need an outlet. And that's why they choose to become heroes. And I love that. That was the reason is he needed to find a way to channel his anger to the things that happened to him in his life. Um, and the fact that him and his brother are going after these sexual predators as heroes, but they even state, they never go after that one because it just made it too real. Um, and it was something that Hank couldn't confront. And that was a really this powerful, powerfully written moment and reasoning for why that they, they choose to become what they're going to become. I mean, there's there's this moment of, you know, when kind of the levity of it is when you watch that video of them being heroes for the first time, and you see that play out later when Dawn sees that video where it's kind of like, oh my god, you know, it's like, you know, we're we're fucking superheroes. He's like, you know, Batman <laughs> yeah. and Robin, uh, you know, you've got you've got uh, people uh, coming up nipping at your heels, kind of. It was it was really cool to kind of watch that moment of kind of watching him kind of beginning to conquer 
uh, those demons and finding a new outlet. But you really believe that Hank and Don had this amazing relationship as brothers. And they did it in such a short amount of time. Well, not only that, but you kind of get that you you kind of get that kinship between the two of them in that moment in that fight in the library. I mean, they're very they're at each other's throats because of uh, things that are going on in their own lives. But when it comes down to, you know, sticking up for each other, all differences are aside, man, and they will put everything to the wayside in order to defend each other. And yeah. we get that whole fight scene in the library all the way up to the moment in the dean's office where, you know, Don basically says, like, just do it already fucking kick us out like and it's like you, yeah, you see that stop using using my brother as your tool for uh, you know academic scholarships and you know notoriety of a football player and all these things it's just you know just just be done with it and, and it was it was a really strong moment yeah and especially in that in the next moment when you just kind of see like hank look over at him and smirk like yeah my brother's a badass yeah, <laughs> like uh, that, that was great. And I love that connection between the two that to the point where it's, you know, they build up that relationship so well in such a short amount of time that when the the drat when the the unfortunate event happens and Don and, and Don is killed, um, you really feel for Hank. Oh, my God. It was it's such a, an intense, quick moment. I mean, b- before we get to Don's death, I mean, like we cut away and we do see. Some stuff going on with Dawn, and you know we we see her history in ballet. And, you know we see her hanging with her mom, not Donna Troy, but Deanna Troy, <laughs> Mariana Sirtis. Yes, um, I love that so much too. Yeah, I, you know it was pretty cool to see her make that make that cameo. I did I did not even know she she was making an appearance in this. Neither this series. did I. Uh, but that was really cool because it was it was tripping my brain up for a second when I was looking at her. I'm like, I know that face. Why is that bothering me so much? And it but like my brain wasn't connecting. And I was like, wait a second. And I had to look at it. I was like, holy crap, that was Deanna Troy. I'm like, why did my brain not put that together? But it was crazy to see. Yeah. It was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the key aspects that I, I want to bring this up now. Um, you know, we've gotten two episodes with these characters. And both of these episodes... Uh, not so much as much the this one, not so much the first one as much this one, um, have been pretty much standalone. I mean, we did get um, you know Dick and uh, Rachel incorporated with um, Hank and Dawn in Hawk and Dove uh, in the first three episodes, but this one is pretty much a, it, it's a standalone episode. There's there's maybe a little one bit or, of a through line. There's, there's a bit of a through line that we'll get to at the end. Yeah. So. Um, but I think when it comes to these two characters and their complicated nature and their their dark and broken pasts, I think it was really smart to do that. Um, yeah. Doom Patrol, you know, was one thing to incorporate them into the storyline with, with the rest of the Titans. It was smart the way they did that. But these two characters, I can see why after Hawk and Dove and now Hank and Dawn, people are clamoring for a spinoff. Because they wrote these characters so well and f- put the focus purely on them so well that people want to see more of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and honestly, I think when we do see that that moment where, you know, Dawn and her mother are leaving uh, and they bump into Hank and Don on the street. Uh, and then that car accident happens that kills both Dawn's mother and Don, uh, you know, at the same time. Um, and again, you mentioned it last last episode, you know, it's a it's a it's a rough looking scene CGI wise. But um, 
it, the moment is not lost at all, even because of that, because of how intense it was, because your brain's like, did that just happen? Um, because it was like a blink and you miss it moment. And you're like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Um, and because you already were in love with Don's character as a whole. And, you know, you see this great relationship in, in just a scene or two with with Dawn and her mother that, you know, we, we find out all these little pieces. You know, the fact that her mother's kind of in this abusive relationship at all. And they're kind of coming to terms with things. So to see the, these characters already dealing with these kind of tragic kind of histories uh fall be like kind of befall more tragedy it was it was really brutal but watching the love story bloom out of hank and dawn's tragedy together you really understood and bought their their connection together and their chemistry together like they already had great chemistry the first time we saw them but watching them fall in love together was even even better so oh yeah absolutely the only question it brings to my mind though is um, at what point in the timeline does the Dick and Dawn matter happen? I'm assuming there's probably going to be um, a moment with Dawn and Hank in which they'll split. Um, especially fighting alongside Robin, as, as which we did see in, in uh, Hawk and Dove. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually they will come back together. Um, yeah. But well, yes. it does. I, if memory serves correctly, and I've, again, it's been a couple of weeks now since I, I watched it. I, I, but I think it may have been. They said five years ago is when, um, when we do see you know Robin fighting alongside Hawk and Dove. So. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean the the episode is done so well that again I could see why people are clamoring for a, a standalone and or a spinoff, and uh, I'm one of them now. Yeah. Because... Oh my god, I want that so bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was. They had such a great story, but like I said, the through line that we haven't talked about yet with this was uh, throughout this episode and these flat, this kind of long flashbacks, we see Rachel appearing to both of them numerous times. Uh, because one of the things we know that Rachel can do is Raven is is been able to astral project, and this is the first time we get to see the start of that uh, and her not being able to connect. And this is while she's kind of being choked out by Corey uh, is when she's reaching out to them because we did kind of jump around a little bit, you know, because this happens. In episode nine, so right after Corey kind of snaps to after Rachel's kind of mentally healing her, bringing her memories back to her, is when we see this happen and break down. Um, and when we do see at the very end of the episode, when Dawn does wake up in the hospital bed, uh, we see her kind of cl- climb out of bed and wake Hank up and said, we have to find Jason Todd. Um, and it's that question of like, who's Jason? It's like, I, it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, cool. Jason's coming back. And you're like, you get excited for that. But you're also excited that Dawn's Dawn survived all of this. Um, so it's it's really just amazing to see this kind of this play together. What with say telling this amazing origin story for these characters. But at the same time, though, too, uh, telling this amazing love story that's kind of, again, surrounded by tragedy. I mean, like we do see when, you know, Dawn does choose to kind of team up with with Hank as the new dove. Uh, is when they confront um, the guy that molested Hank as a child, and it's uh, and, and it's a, really Dawn that is the the driving force behind that. Yeah, she she tracks him down and finds this guy and is like, I, you have to turn yourself in, and we see how quickly that situation turns. But we we find out she has a history of you know jujitsu and ballet and gymnastics, so she's got the chops to do it. But there's that really intense moment where you know um, when Hank is you know, beating this man down 
and looks at Dawn and is like, you have to go. And we, she's like, I'm not going anywhere. And we see that shot from outside the house oh, for closing the I'm door. I'm so glad and, you brought that up because I was going just to. just get chills. And yeah. I mean, just absolute chills about what they're about to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to if you didn't. That that yeah. shot is, is is ominous but is so beautifully done. Oh, um, yeah. Because it's kind of like, okay, this is the start of the new Hawk and Dove. Yeah, it really is. I, I, again, I'm really thoroughly, thoroughly blown away with how good that was. Yeah, I am too. And again, I mean, it really it, – it, it shines a spotlight on like these are two broken characters that just kind of – tend to mend each other through tragedy um i mean and i mentioned it earlier too that it's 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 some it says a lot to hank's character that with everything he's been through he he he's taken a hero's journey but i know in comic books he has gone villainous before yes yeah he has so, so but you he... can see him ride that you can definitely understand more after these two episodes with them why he rides that line yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, I yeah. Um, all right. I, I think we we've covered pretty much everything. Um, leading the finale, leading up yeah. to this finale, and you you put it very well when we were prepping before, and I agree with it completely. In that this is the finale. I mean, when we when the the finale was being promoted. We knew it was Batman versus Robin. We knew we were going to get to see Batman. Uh, there were theories out there that Batman was not, in essence, Batman. He was. Um, I heard the theory that it was uh, that it was Deathstroke in wearing Batman's mask. Uh, we knew that it was going to be Trigon at some points, but I didn't realize that this was all going to be an alternate reality in Dick's head. Um, you brought up the point that a lot of times alternate reality scenarios and TV shows don't work or because they have no weight. Yes. Um, but you and I are both in complete agreement. This worked beautifully. Um, this is so well done that as much as I know Batman to be a hero, if they ever did a movie or a TV series that made Batman the villain and it was done like this, I would watch the shit out of it. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I'll put it this way. This reminded me of one of the only other time that I really thoroughly love it, al- like some alternate reality stuff is actually done in a couple DC things. Um, there is an episode of Teen Titans where we do see uh, Starfire end up getting trapped and ends up in the future. Um, and we see kind of, you know, the the Carrie, you know, uh, Carrie Payton and Scott Memble, you know, Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go cast kind of deal with all of a sudden seeing Starfire as a fish out of water where they jump well ahead of time. And we see Raven insane and Beast Boy working at a circus and, you know, Dick has become Nightwing, all these little pieces. But it was just really just insanely awesome to see play out. But the, the one that I always hold is the creme de la creme of alternate realities is actually from Batman, the animated series in season four. Uh, it's a, my, one of my favorite episodes of that series called Over the Edge, where we see, you know, Barbara gassed with a fear toxin in the beginning of the episode and die at the hands of the scarecrow. Uh, and re- in her death reveals her, her herself to Jim Gordon uh, and it revolves around Jim Gordon trying to hunt down uh, the Bat family and kill Bruce Wayne, who he knows is Batman. And it, it's such an intense episode. This harkened back to that so incredibly well in the way that that felt. Um, and normally, again, those things don't work. Those fever dreams don't work. 
Um, and these are a few experiences. And this episode, absolutely, yeah, episode 11, Dick Grayson, absolutely worked. Yeah. Um, let's point out a couple things before we, we get too heavily into the whole Dick versus Batman aspect um, in how this episode starts. Uh, if It's very... I think it's very obvious at this point, the way the episode starts, that this is some kind of alternate reality. We're seeing uh, Dick and Dawn are married uh, with one child and another on the way. Uh, we are introduced again to uh, Jason Todd, who happens to be in a wheelchair. Um, uh, yeah, shot shot by the Riddler. And, shot by and the Riddler. Uh, yeah. Not only that, but we're also finding out that uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon is dead, having just right. been killed. Um, we know that... Um... Rachel and Gar are in college and are still good friends with uh, Dawn and Dick. Yes. So um, I want to mention the whole I want to talk a little bit about the whole Jason Todd scene with him in the mm -hmm. wheelchair, because I think there are a couple references to DC stories that we get out of this. Um, we do find out um, that the Joker was the one behind Commissioner Gordon. Is it just me, or did we get a little killing joke element out of that story? Uh, we we kind of did, like the way that he was like an adaptation like, yep. of it. He, he's like he took photos of this whole thing and all, and you know. But it, it's it's I wouldn't say it's adaptation of it because you know the injury from you know to to well, we do hear the comment that we was like we've seen friends friends crippled. Uh, we hear that line, so there is a nod to Barbara there. In, in that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't get anything by name, but we we do hear, you know, people people being crippled. So there is that. But like this is meant to believe kind of like the killing joke occurred in a different way. And and maybe Jim died in the end of that instead of being, you know, well, being that, well that's survived. what I mean. That's what I meant by an adaptation. Like instead of the it being Barbara that had the pictures of her taken, it was actually Jim Gordon that was kidnapped and the pictures were taken of him and there well, was nobody I mean, to rescue him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. It, it's, it, it's a hard call to say. It, there, it's, it's kind of nodding at it, but it, it would be a dramatically skewed, and I mean dramatically skewed version of that story. Because Jim didn't have any, Jim just got kidnapped. I mean, he didn't have any photos or anything like the the photos of uh, of Barbara. Whereas after she was you know sexually molested, yeah. were were meant to believe. Um, but this just sounded like a kind of a torture torture situation with that. So okay, uh, so it's it's very possible that Killing Joke could have happened, and this was just another thing that also happened. Okay, so. but yeah, but I mean, we do find out that um, you know Commissioner Gordon was killed by the Joker, and it seems like in in essence, this is the one thing that sets Batman off on his path. Uh, he is kind of snapped at this point, and he is content on killing the Joker. Yeah. Um, in which... we we see yeah we see all these dominoes essentially there. It's where we basically have we're led to believe that Barbara's crippled. You know. Uh, Dick, Dick has left. Yeah, Jason's crippled. We know Alfred's dead. They mentioned he, yeah. he died. We don't know how. And they all, uh, Jim is dead. And so it's, it's kind of stacking the dominoes up. And, and Jim's death was the one that knocked everything into motion. Yeah, and it's kind of, um, you know, it, it seems that, you know, at this point in time, Dick is the, the one who has been able to get away from everything. He's been the one that's kind of stepped back, start a family, and kind of... Get away from it. And it's Jason that comes to him and says, you're the real Robin. You are the one that can help. Mm -hmm. And it's what draws him back in and leads down that path of going back into darkness. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it's an interesting interpretation to see how people look at that in that he it, it's him giving into his darkness because in, in essence, when you look at everything, what was his truest fear? Was his truest fear having to go against and put down Batman or was he seeing himself in what Batman became? Uh, I think it's both, actually. I mean, you get a great scene and it's Britain Thwaites really shines amazingly in this episode because there's this great moment inside Wayne Manor where he's standing in front of the clock and, and talking and he has this great speech kind of like Bruce, you know, you can't fall down this path. If you do, this is what's what's going to happen. You know, these are all the pieces that are going to fall. Uh, and it, it's this great. He's acting to nobody, but it's this beautiful monologue that he gives and he really shines in this scene. Uh, and you're hope you're hoping that he gets through to him, and then we find out in the next scene, uh, Joker's been thrown off of a building into a car, and we we see pretty much the wreckage of him. And they did a great job of kind of shooting around Joker's face, and they found interesting ways to do it. And I, I give them a lot of credit for pulling that off well. Yeah, and it's at that moment that they believe that you know Batman has become a killer. The the one line he he said he would never cross. And, you know, he throws Joker off the roof. Uh, I, I found it very interesting and intriguing when, when Dick shows up to the scene and he's like, well, this is not the roof he was thrown off of. And he points to a roof across the street, which just goes to show you the amount of power that Batman has mm-hmm. uh, and the skill that he has that he could throw him off the roof of a building across the street. Uh, and he lands where he does. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which also kind of leads him into... Uh, teaming up with with Gotham PD to to put Batman down, but at a, at a later date, um, you know, you find out that the Joker is still alive. Uh, he has survived the fall, and you know, at that point, it's Robin who comes up and says, "Well, you know, you haven't crossed that line yet. This is mm-hmm. this is good that this hasn't happened. You haven't crossed this line. We can we can come to grips with this." Um, and he goes to Gotham, or he goes to Wayne Manor to talk to him behind the clock. And have that conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And the next scene that we see is Batman breaking into the hospital and putting an end to the Joker. Uh, yeah, uh, really just intense scene. And then we do the cutaway to the Arkham Asylum. And yeah. we see we see the, the doll of Scarface next to uh, uh, you know Wesker. Um, is it? Oh, my God. Is it right? Is that? Oh, my God. I'm blanking on the. I think it is Wesker. Name. I, I, I yeah, think you're I right. Think yeah. Um, and we, you know, we see his body down and you, know, we see, you know, two face, uh, we see Riddler, you know, all, I you think know, we see Harley in there too. Uh, I don't know if we got, got Harley or not. I can't remember. There offhand. was a tattooed arm. That oh, I that had... was, that was Riddler. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Cause right. there was a question mark on the arm. Oh, okay. See. All right. Yeah. I thought uh, that was so about the... to be Harley, but okay. So those are the three in addition to, to, uh, you know, what you call it. Uh, Joker's death that we know that happens to the point where things just get so bad. And we, we yeah, that's when you, you mentioned we, we cut to the point where he's working with the OGCPD. We find out Corey is an FBI agent in, in this point in time. You know, we see her kind of more civilian looking at this point in time, you know, with straightened hair, with his still touches, kind of blending in the way that Donna does and the rest of the Titans we've seen at this point um, play out. So this was really just interesting leading up to the kind of the siege on Wayne, Wayne Manor. Uh, which gives us that insanely awesome sequence in, in the Batcave, which was just, oh, dude, that well, was... Well, I think one of the other interesting things to mention about Arkham Asylum, too, is that it's not just these criminals that we know that are being killed. Like, we find out there are orderlies that were being killed. Uh, guards, everything. Guards, like, he was going after anybody. 
um, that was willing to try and stop him. Yeah. Uh, and then we find that out in the siege on Wayne Manor in which, you know, he is taking out SWAT. He's taking out the police captain. Uh, he takes out Corey. And I mean, so we're seeing again, this is where all this is playing out in which, you know, Dick is losing everybody that in, in putting to task everybody to go after him, to go after Bruce, uh, in which it finally takes him having to do it himself yeah. to, to go in. And he, we see him finally put an end to Bruce and snap his neck. Yeah. Um, which uh, right after that moment is when we click back to reality and we see Dick standing in the mansion in front of Rachel, uh, Trigon and Angela with that blackness in his eyes and that he has given into his darkness. Yeah. Uh, and again, just a really awesome point to end the season on. Cause it's such a great comic booky cliffhanger and it works so well here. And I'm, I'm really happy that they chose to end here the way that they did instead because, of doing some kind of wrap up in, in episode 12. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, that was the way to go. And as we talked about in the news last week, they did shoot in episode 12 and that's kind of, they even said it's quote unquote being cannibalized and twisted and altered to become a new premiere for season two. So, which is, I think a cool way to do it. And then we're going to be seeing obviously new footage as well. Uh, so looking forward to seeing that. So that's really awesome. Yeah, so. I am too. Uh, I'm, I can't wait to see where they're going to take season two, um, where they're going to progress with this storyline, leaving us in a cliffhanger like this. I, I hope they're going to start shooting in February, as you had mentioned before. Um, I don't know when that means the next season is going to premiere. Um, Oh, it's probably not going to be until this time next year. And yeah. that drives me nuts because I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Especially after that post-credit teaser. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that uh, before we wrap things up. We are, there, there is, you mentioned, uh, there is a mention of Superman in this finale. Uh, and Dick, or uh, Jason does say it, you know, that even Superman hasn't been able to get him to come around. Uh, or he's kind of separated himself from, from Superman as well. You made a mention a couple weeks ago that there is mention of Kryptonian. I was led to believe that that was that mention of Superman that you had brought up. Uh, oh, yeah. I knew. I just wanted to keep that as a nice tease. For so you. when you mentioned that, you knew of the teaser already? I did. Okay. All right. Uh, I was not uh, aware. Both of them, mind you. Oh, so you knew of the Superman mention and you knew of the teaser. Well, no, 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 the the two Kryptonians essentially that oh, we see. Oh, in the, the teaser, end of this. yes, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So we have actually gotten mention of three Kryptonians. Yeah. Um, well, we've visually seen two and gotten mention of a third. Right. Um, but being the huge fan of Superman that I am, I am extremely excited that we have gotten the tease for yet another Titan, that being Connor Kent. Uh huh. Superboy. Oh, I'm we so see, and excited. I love the fact that, that it's just somewhere in metropolis and yes. you see cadmus labs the tank the tank being broken open um yeah i'm excited because okay. there was there was rumors back in the summer that we were also going to see lex luther uh in episode 12 uh because we know lex is the person that creates uh connor kent in the comics so can i just uh, can i just tell ahead. you watching the credits i had no idea there was going to be a post-credit scene I just happened to let the credits play out um, and let the episode finish. And when the episodes, when the credits abruptly end and I just see that black screen and I see somewhere in Metropolis, 
dude, you have no idea how much I started geeking out because I, so I knew I where it was going. For you. <laughs> so. I'm I'm really glad too because I I the moment I saw somewhere in Metropolis, I knew where it was going, mm-hmm. and I was so excited to see that 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 pod broken open to see the mention of cadmus labs to see i think not even mentioned it we saw logos everywhere for cadmus which is awesome to see we saw i think specimen 13 Mm -hmm. um on the computer and then just seeing the superman tattoo on the arm the superman logo on the arm yeah i was dude you have no i was geeking i was geeking so bad and then, and then, <laughs> then we see him break out, and then open up, and you see a white dog, uh, that's eyes flash red, and you're like, oh my god, they're introducing crypto as well. How amazing is this? Yes, it, um, dude, this this had me just geeking the hell out, and me and my wife were just this pure giddy joy, and when we were watching this, uh, because again, I mean, like I knew about the crypto thing. But even to seeing that scene, man, I, I just got chills, and I was so excited. Yeah, so incredibly excited. I, I'm I'm extremely excited um, to to where they're gonna go with it. I'm excited that they're bringing in Connor. Uh, I was not expecting Crypto until I saw him, which I thought was great. Uh, you, he's a white dog, but he's they 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 portrayed him as green, but that was simply because of the Kryptonite. It was, was the light. It was the yeah. ref, the light reflecting off of him. So he he is going to be a white dog. But I, I'm just man, I, I'm so excited. Um, I, I I'm wondering because obviously they're going to bring they're going to be bringing in Connor. We we've met Donna already. We've met Hawk and Dove. We've met a number of the Titans. Um, we're going to be meeting Cyborg in um, Doom Patrol in yeah. Doom Patrol. Um, I'm wondering where else they could go with characters that they could bring in. God, there's uh, so many Titans. There's so many Titans. Um, it's not I, even funny. Well, not only that, but I think, like... Roy Harper. Yeah, I mean, you, you look I at mean, Young Justice and the characters that are in that, they are, in essence, Titans. So, I mean, uh, you could bring in any of them at some point in a very grounded fashion. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they have so much source material to pull from. So many characters were part of the Teen Titans or Titans at some point in time. So they have so much history because, like, we know the Justice League exists. We hear Donna and Dick talk about that in, in Episode 8. They're like, oh, it's League business, all this stuff, you know, all these little pieces. And they did such a great job hinting at the greater DC universe without having to show us that. And I really appreciated the fact that they nodded to things. They didn't try to work around things. They're like, no, Diana exists. Batman exists. You know, Wonder Woman exists. Or, I mean, like I said, you know, Superman exists. All these pieces. Uh, and to be able to say, hey, you know, things like us sidekicks have to stick together. All these things gives us the fact that we know there's so much more that they can pull from. So much more to come. And to bring in somebody like Connor Kent like this, it, it makes things even more exciting to know that – they're not even scratching the surface of potential for the show. I want to see. Uh, you know what? I I, I want to see Blue Beetle be brought uh, into it. Yeah, I mean, like, I would love to see Jaime Reyes. I, you know, it's the question of, you know, honestly, for me, though, if I if I, if I want to see Blue Beetle, I want to see Ted Cord first. I do too. Um, I, you know, like for me, like my dream TV show is still Blue and Gold. Oh, I mean, God. I would kill to see that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Um, to see what they're doing here. And again, that Connor twist, knowing that that was coming and seeing that finally play out on screen was great. But, uh, you know, I think the last thing we have to do here is we got to rate this season. 
Um, before we do that, uh, I know one other character I want to see them bring in. Okay. And it's going to be absolutely ridiculous, but I think they could do it. Uh, Sphere. Okay. If they're bringing uh, in Connor, why not? You know what? If if, if we're going to shoot for the moon, too, I want to see Kid Devil. Okay. Uh, another, <laughs> right. great, another great character out there, too, that I just thoroughly enjoyed way back in the day. So. I mean, Sphere would have very obviously be a CGI character, but mm. still, I, I, I'd love to see it. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. Uh, you know what? Um, because you know, this was a pretty relatively quick conversation. Um, do you want to? Do we want to go through some of our normal annual points? I mean, obviously, we don't have to talk about things really quick. We can just kind of give the quick answers on these things. Yeah, we can do uh, that. Um, all right. So um, I, I think it, I think it's safe to say, as far as least favorite episode, Asylum. Um, yeah. for, for both of us. And it does, it doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad episode. It was just yeah. very slow progressing, uh, for it. Um, I'm very curious to see where we're going to fall on this though, because I know where I stand, uh, favorite episode of the season. Uh, Hank and Dawn. Okay. Uh, that was close for me, but I, I, I gotta give it to Doom Patrol. Yeah. I, I, no, I, like loved I said, the that Doom was, Patrol that episode. was, there's so many good episodes in this. And, uh, but yeah, Hank and Dawn for me was that like, Tugging at the heartstrings, like beautiful writing, uh, just awesome. But yeah, Doom Patrol, very close second. Yeah, Doom Patrol was was just fantastic. Uh, least favorite character of the season. Uh, least favorite character. Um, it's a tough hmm. one because there really aren't any bad ones. Yeah, I, I think that my least favorite. Uh, I, I, I might be surprising, but uh, might be Dick Grayson uh, because I think they nailed everybody else so well, and I'm I'm waiting for them to get to that version of Dick Grayson that I I love and hold near and dear. That quips and is not afraid of, of things and is not one foot into darkness and one foot out. But I think they're going to build to it. And it's not to say that I disliked it, but I think out of the characters that we were given, he probably would fall at my bottom of the list. But it's you know what? He's the lens for the viewers. And so I think that's why we got the version we did for right now. So, OK, um, mine's a total cop out, um, but I'm going to give it to uh, Nick Zuko. Uh, A.K.A. Melting Man, because I just felt it was a little bit too much like Two Face. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little too similar. Uh, I think it was a way of bringing in Two Face, uh, but in such a temporary way that if you killed him off, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. I like I said, I you know he he was uh, kind of a eh, you know he doesn't really serve a purpose except for to push Jason. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, even me saying my least favorite was Dick Grayson, I still would say if I were rating him on a, any levels, I'd still give him a legend. I still loved what they did with his character. Um, uh, but it, I just loved everybody else just that much more. Uh, all right. Which brings us to favorite character. All right. Uh, this is a toss up and I'm actually going to give this a tie. Um, you know, Jason Todd would be my easy answer, but actually, you know, for characters moving forward and a D up. Uh, I'm going to give it to Starfire. I, I'm I on the I'm on the same page with you, man. That's she's mine too. I really thoroughly loved her character. She brought such a fun kind of parental role to the team when she was just dealing with Rachel and Gar, but like also like the it, it's in the fun big sister kind of way. But she also brought a lot of levity early on, but also was not afraid to call Dick out on his bullshit, but also softened Dick's character a lot too. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of great things she brought to this in addition to her trying to find out who she was, but at the same time she was, it's, it's like right after that diner scene where she sits down in the car and Rachel looks at her and is like, man, you're a badass," And she just smiles, you yeah. know, uh, she was a really great character that has so much more potential. 
Uh, yeah, um, and, and mine's a little bit of a tie too. I'm, I'm definitely giving it to Anna Diop uh, for Coriander because I think she's it was a for excuse me fantastic portrayal of this character. And I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again that I don't care what she looks like; she's nailed the personality of this character spot on. So I don't. She could look completely different, and I'd still love this character as Starfire just as much. Um, but I'm also gonna kind of I'm I'm kind of gonna give it to to Tegan Croft as Rachel. Um, merely because of the fact that she's portraying that character so well, and she is a relative unknown. She has done nothing uh, before this. This is really her breakout role. And she did a great job. I mean, like, again, to, it, my tie could be so many ways. Cause oh, I, I could have like given it, it to Ryan Potter for Gar, too. Yeah, uh, and, and Haw- Hawk and Dove did an amazing job. I mean, everybody really honestly pulled their weight in the show and Brynthwaite's did an incredible job though too so like I said I even feel bad even mentioning his name in the least favor because <laughs> that's why I said I, mine was a cop out yeah I mean like honestly I if I looking at this critically and as a DC fan he's the character I want to see the most growth out of but that's what they're building to and that's what they're doing and I know that that's the fact but just looking at this season and this season alone that's why he falls in that spot but not to say that I think he was a bad actor bad character or any of his scenes were poorly acted i think it in the essence he did a phenomenal job i just want to see more from the dick grayson character and i think and i think you will next season i I, do i I absolutely do i absolutely for sure you will um least favorite moment of least favorite moment um the fever dream that was asylum that didn't feel like it achieved much <laughs> all um, right i'm gonna share that one with you because i can't really think of anything else it was just uh, you know I, either that i could just say the pacing of, of of asylum as a whole as an episode um you know it was one of those points that they actually really didn't feel like they even needed to have rachel's mother as a character if they didn't want to she really didn't do much uh she was just there to kind of essentially poison garfield that was about it um and kind of be that point to the other piece to tip um you know rachel in that direction but they could have had one of the acolytes of of the you know the organization do that yeah it uh, didn't have to be um didn't have to be her mother yeah but i i think that's the reason it just felt like kind of a wasted episode the only thing that was big and important was that you know dick casts off the robin mance by the end of the episode okay so uh and of course that leads us to favorite moment of the series of the season uh, I will definitely state for me was probably that moment where we see Robin suit up in front of the rest of the Titans and we see that badass fight against the nuclear family. But then it's this Garfield's commentary through that entire thing of like, oh, my God, he's Robin. And just how cool is this? All those little moments, I think, were really that was just that was a beautiful culmination of what we were waiting for. I, I knew you were going to pick that moment because it was the one I was very close to picking. Uh, but because you chose that moment, I'm going to choose a different one. And I'm going to say, uh, again, uh, it's got to be it, it, my biggest geek out moment. And it's that teaser uh, and, and the introduction and the tease for Connor Kent. Uh, nice. if, if I can't choose that one, um, it would probably be um, just getting a little tease of the Batmobile. Because, dude, we haven't mentioned that at all. But oh. that Batmobile looks awesome. Oh, it looks slick. It looks super slick. It uh, looks my, very my, much like Batman the Animated Series a little bit. A little bit. There was a lot. Of, there was a little bit of red lines in there, yeah. too, that had a little tip off to the old 66 uh, Batmobile as well. 
there was a nice blend of a lot of the different designs on it, so it was really cool to see. I wish they would release really good stills of that. But yeah, really cool looking car. Um, and my runner up though too would be Jason Todd dismantling the cops after the fight with uh with Zuko's <laughs> son because you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a it was just an intense moment. So. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Uh, all right, let's rate the season as a whole. Um, uh, rate oh rate the villains. Oh, rate the okay. So, well, who we, we can okay? So let's we, rate the nuclear family, uh, okay. and then we'll rate Trigon. Okay. Um, Trigon family. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I think Trigon's gonna be a little difficult because we really don't get much of him. We got kind of a teaser of him. So let's let's say right now nuclear family. Let's just say the nuclear family and the organization. Let's just we'll, we'll get them as the bad guy. Okay. Because Trigon, we it's again it was basically he got an extended cameo. Really? Yeah. Um, I, in that case, I mean, if we're going with the nuclear family, uh, I'll kick it off. Um, I talked about this a little bit in part one of the Titans talk, but um, dude, I'm giving them an eight. They're they're formidable. Uh, they're formidable villains. I mean, they're they're human beings, but just the fact that they are they're you mentioned it like that Stepford element to them, and that they're. Their one and only goal is to do what they're told. And they're not just doing what they're told, but they're formidable opponents. Like, they know how to fight. Um, they're on. They're juiced up on some kind of serum. Uh, I was very surprised by, you know, the way they were uh, and the way they were portrayed. I didn't think the nuclear family would make good villains, but I was proven wrong. So I, I'm putting them in legend territory. I'm giving them like a, I'm giving them an eight. Yeah, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to be right there with you because I think the biggest thing that doesn't keep them from going and being evolved past that is because again they're very similar to things somebody like the Royal Flush family or the Royal Flush gang. Uh, they're expendable. Those, they're expendable. They can be sub substituted out. But I think the original version that we got the nuclear family, I give them probably an eight five where they ended up, they maybe push it back down to an eight because we just didn't connect to to the new father, you know yet. Uh, but I think. They brought something really fun. They brought a sense of levity to the villain that was su such a terrifying villain. Yeah. Um, and I think it really, really worked incredibly well. And it was really enjoyable. And they, they were not villains I was as familiar with. So I, I thought it was really fun with what they did there. So Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, all right. Let's rate the season. Uh, uh, so, I mean, if you're not familiar with the rating system, as we've done in annuals before, uh, one through three is a sidekick. Four through seven is a hero. Eight through ten is a legend, and we're gonna give it a number. So, uh, this season as a whole, where do you think you stand? I'm gonna give this a nine. Um, this is getting a legend for me, and I think it's a well-deserved nine. I think episode one was a little bit of a shaky start, but it found its footing pretty quickly uh, because we also just didn't know what to expect. But I was, I was pretty, pretty much, I was like, okay, cool, this is interesting. Uh, but by the end of episode two, man, I was sold. I was absolutely sold. And it was a really amazingly fun ride. Asylum aside, um, you know, for if you even just looked at this and removed Asylum from the picture and gave us 10 episodes, this was a phenomenal 10, ep 10 episodes that has me nothing but excited for the future of the DC Universe streaming shows. Uh, so, yeah, well-deserved nine legend territory for me all the way. Yep, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I'm a nine as well. It's, it's one of those things that even though we kind of... Uh, you know, put Asylum on the lower end, it's still a good episode. It, there wasn't anything really, other than the pacing, there wasn't anything bad with it. It progressed the story further. Uh, we got, you know, Angela brought into the mix, which is very important for the, uh, for the, for the later 
uh, portions of the season. Uh, so it was still very important to the story. It was just the pacing that was off a little bit. Uh, but it, it's a nine for me as well. This is a series that I was very, we knew we were going in uh, with this, with Kid Gloves, uh, with DC starting their own service and this being the season, the, the series to kick it off. There were a lot of criticisms because of promo photos that came out with, especially with Anna Diop and the way she looked and things like that. But um, I didn't even find the first episode as shaky as you did. I was, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but you're right. After that episode two, I didn't want to stop. It was very tough to stop after episode three because of the way we were formatting our rewatch of or our watch of this and our review of this. Uh, and I'm and- really happy that we went back and I re- rewatched episode one, two, and three when we did our first set of reviews Me in too. this series, uh, because. I think that made the enjoyment of this that much better. Yeah. Um, and man, this was just a really cool kind of experiment, and I, for 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 DC to do this, and then I understand why uh, when they had this concept, they're like, you know, we can do a, a streaming service and do these live action shows, do them justice. And man, I'm really happy that they took this gamble, this risk, because I think it paid off. Yeah, I really do. Agreed. Um, uh, Guggenheim is just phenomenal when it comes to being a showrunner for some of these shows um and you can kind of see why he stepped back as showrunner of the of arrow and such um, oh this is Ber- oh, you're, you're or berlanti. berlanti yeah yep. uh, no, i'm sorry right, not, not yeah. um berlanti yeah so um you know to put a focus on these and well done um you know is really all i can say this is a series that uh i can guarantee you is going to get a rewatch if not multiple rewatches before the season two yeah, and uh, you know what? I will say this too. It's just a, a, another little end cap because it feels like it's just end cap after end cap. But I, I don't have there's there's not enough time to to talk about how much I enjoyed this. Um, I will say as well, kudos to them for also making me care about a whole bunch of characters I never knew I wanted to like. Uh, I, I really never thought Hawk and Dove were anything special, and this made me change my opinion. This made me give a second thought to Wow, the Doom Patrol was really cool, and I can't wait. Um, you know, and just. Re- rekindling a love of the characters I already love from Titans and the Teen Titans and all these people and I think they really just made you enjoy all of these characters and excited about comic books excited about what's to come and excited about the future of the DC Universe uh, shows so kudos to kudos to everything I really was thoroughly I just fell in love with this yeah I won't put another end cap on it I'll, I'll, I'll end it <laughs> I'll end it right there I, I've yeah. said my piece. I, I love it. Same here. Uh, yeah. Uh, same. Uh, yeah. Thoroughly. Yeah. Loved it. Um, all right. So now this is going to be a little tricky, um, but this is going to be the last time you hear one of our voices on this episode uh, as we again, we are recording this uh, a week in advance. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going to pause you real quick because there was a piece of news I missed from last week Okay, that you may miss going into when you record the news for this week. Okay. Uh, but um, there is a piece, and I can't find the full article, but I do know that this is coming out in January on the DC Universe streaming service. The pilot from Aquaman that was meant to be the show to be picked up, that was the Aquaman, the Justin Hartley Aquaman from Smallville, that pilot is going to be on the DC Universe streaming service in January. So if you are a fan of Smallville, and you want to check that out? That will be there for you to check out. So wait, is this is Justin Hartley in this pilot? This is the Justin. 
This was the Aquaman pilot. No, I, I remember that they, they did a pilot, but I didn't remember. Was Justin Hartley cast as Aquaman for the pilot? I think he was. Um, Give me a second. And, uh, yeah, and when is this supposed to be up? Hold on. Because I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> uh, all right. Hold on. Aquaman. Pilot. DC Universe. Let's just do a search and see if I can find the info. Um. <laughs> Because mm. uh, I, I, I'm very right. intrigued by this. I knew they, I knew they were going to do one, and it, it didn't go through. Oh, um, let's see. Or maybe Alan Richardson. I think maybe it is. Sorry. Um, hold on. Oh my god, this article is a mess. Oh well, um, I mean that's the same guy that's playing Hawk. Yeah, because Justin Hartley was Arrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, hold on. This is but if yeah, I... December 21st, 2018. This weekend stream a different version of Aquaman from home. Yep, and it's uh, apparently it is on the DC Universe streaming service now. Yeah, because Alan uh, Richson was, was Aquaman in Smallville. Yeah, so, yep. And yeah, that's, so it's the DC uh, pilot for Aquaman that was from with Alan Richson is going to be uh, on there. So it says, uh, let's see. And it's up there now? Uh, I believe so. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Well, hold on. It says, where to see it, Hulu? Uh, Smallville, blah, 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 blah. Uh, While the pilot isn't uh, isn't any subscription service, iTunes has it for $1.99 right now. Okay, so uh, it's available right now on iTunes for the pilot. But it will also be on the DC Universe streaming service. They didn't state the date that it's going to be there, but it just says January. So uh, when the whole bunch of new shows come to that, so I might have to do some research and see if I can find that elsewhere. Elsewhere. So. Elsewhere. But yeah, it, it, it is going to be indeed on there. Um, so you know, it's possible if you can vamp for a few minutes, I can see if I can look this up real quick. So. <laughs> so. Tell us some more about your holiday. So. Uh, what holiday? We, we've passed New Year's and it hasn't happened yet. What, How is your New Year's so far, it, sir? It let's, hasn't happened let's go, for us Let's yet. go to the, art, the art, arts alternate reality. That's all. We'll go to the alternate reality. Well, I mean, you know what? I'll just I'll simply talk about the future a little bit. And I'll just say that uh, once we're done vamping here and we're done talking about Aquaman, uh, what we're doing, you're going to hear my voice for the rest of the episode. And that's mainly because... We still want to bring you current news stories, so even though we've recorded this a week ago, uh, I'm going to tack on. I'm, I'm going. I'm still going to record the news for the week and and tack it on. And we're going to do that for the next couple of weeks. Rob and I are going to kind of take turns just recording the news, so we can keep you current on that. But um, yeah, so it's it, you know again we're we're taking a little bit of a break for the next couple of weeks, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, but you know what, on that note too, since we're still going to be bringing you some content over the next couple weeks, uh, if you guys have any requests for anything that you want to hear, whether it be like a double dose of John Wesley ship, like we can, I can put both of the interviews we've done with him together, uh, into a podcast. I can, if there's a particular panel that I did, uh, at a convention, whether it be, uh, you know, original team arrow or firestorm, um, you know, uh, the with, uh, with Victor Garber and Robbie Amell, uh, if the the panel with um, 
oh god now i can't remember their names echo kellen uh rick gonzalez and josh segara if if there's any particular panel in particular you guys want to hear uh please uh just message us on facebook dc uh, facebook.com slash dc primetime or email us uh, dc primetime at next level radio online.com and let us know if there's something in particular because uh, i'll put it in i'll play it yeah have i vamped Uh, long enough you have. Okay. Um, so I couldn't find the full article, but uh, I can confirm. No, it is Justin Hartley as Arthur Curry in the pilot. Um, so this oh, really? also, yeah. Uh, so it's not Alan Richardson. Um, you know, Justin Hartley was the one cast for the pilot. So uh, it's going to be appearing on the streaming service January 11th. Um, it's going to be the pilot one that's going to show up. And it sounds like in addition to some of the co-stars in that are Adrian Padalecki. Uh, or, uh, Ad- oh, sorry, Adriana Palicki. Ving Rames and Lou Diamond Phillips are also co-stars. So, I'm I'm really surprised that he was gonna be Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Yep, especially uh, after having was, just played Green Arrow. Yeah, and it is developed by the Smallville creators uh, Al Gol and Miles Miller or uh, Miles Miller. So, oh. um, but yeah, this was shot uh, back in 2006. So yeah, that is yeah. coming out January 11th. So you'll be able to see that in just uh, well from when you're hearing this. Just a couple days. Yeah, so. look at that. 2007. Uh, Justin Hartley is Aquaman. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, Arthur A.C. Curry yeah. is how he goes by. <laughs> yep. A.C. Oh, God. That's kind of like Aquaman meets the O.C. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to feel about this, but I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you'll be able to check that out. So, Lou Diamond Phillips is in that? Yep. And I said Ving Rhames, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I heard you say Ving Rhames. So yeah, like I said, um, you'll you'll be able to check that out really soon. But if you can't wait, you can check it out on iTunes now. So, nice. very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So going forward, it's just me with the news for this week. All right, I'm going to try and do this as closely as I can to how Rob does it. But uh, a number of stories that we're going to get to this week for the world of DC News. Starting off first with some things from television. Uh, DC Universe's Swamp Thing will focus on gothic horror and romantic aspects when it comes to the show. Uh, DC Universe's original content has already taken some beloved characters into new directions. And it sounds like that's going to continue in a pretty major way with Swamp Thing. Uh, They said in an interview with uh, ComicBook.com, Swamp Thing executive producer James Wan was asked about the upcoming live-action series, which is set to premiere on the DC Universe later this year. While previous live-action iterations of the character uh, fell a bit more on the campy side, Wan hinted this time around new telling... Uh, This new telling will follow the character's early comic book roots. Now, we want to learn more... We want to lean more into the gothic horror romance aspect of it, one explains. Uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be following Abby Arcane, played by Crystal Reed, as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana, but soon discovers that the swamp holds myst- um, mystical and terrifying secrets. Uh, we do know that Alex Holland, uh, played by Andy Bean, is going to be the one playing by uh, transforming into Swamp Thing. Uh, played by Derek Mears. So it's going to be interesting, and it's definitely a series that I am absolutely looking forward to seeing uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to things. Uh, speaking of Swamp Thing, we've got a new casting uh, 
element done, uh, for the show, Swamp Thing has added Westworld star Leonardo Nam into a key role. Uh, looks like the new gothic horror series will forego the campiness, as we mentioned before. Uh, and it looks like he will be Nam will be playing a CDC employee, Harlan Edwards, who will be Abby Arcane's ally in attempts to investigate the deadly virus infecting the Louisiana swamp. So uh, the character is described as a gay man and Abby's second in command. So it's going to be uh, very interesting to see when the show does finally premiere. This is a pretty cool story. This actually comes from our neck of the woods here in the Philadelphia area. Uh, a teen's binging of The Flash on Netflix uh, has saved uh, the family's life. On television, Barry Allen is a, is a Central City hero, but thanks to binge-watching the series on Netflix, a Delaware teen is a hero in real life. On Tuesday night, 13-year-old Demir Carter stayed up well past his 9.30 p.m. bedtime watching The Flash on Netflix on his phone despite his mother telling him not to. However, around 1 a.m., Demir started hearing what he thought was the family cat knocking things over in the bedroom, only, discover it was a, only to discover it was a fire instead. Uh, he began immediately yelling for his parents, waking his mother, and the pair were able to get out of their trailer home and open the doors so that the pets could also escape. Uh, though four, head, uh, four dogs, a cat, and three bearded dragons did not survive. The teen's father was working an overnight shift and was not home at the time of the fire. The family was later told that the fire was caused by a power strip that overheated. So it was thanks to him staying up past his bedtime and watching The Flash that saved their lives. It's pretty kind pretty cool uh moving over to the movie side of things uh shazam uh, a rumor coming from the shazam camp reportedly confirms major villains for the film it sounds like the seven deadly sins really will be appearing in the shazam film according to a report from super bro movies the villains will appear in the upcoming dc film and could serve as the major antagonist for the zachary levi hero the latest report isn't the first time we've heard about the Seven Deadly Sins in connection with the film, as there was another report back in September that also hinted at the villains. Uh, it's not known yet who will be playing the characters, even though there have been apparently some auditions uh, that have been out there, but it's, again, going to be a lot of fun. I'm Man, I'm looking forward to, to Shazam. The DC films are getting back on track, in my opinion. Speaking of that, uh, we have to talk a little bit about Aquaman. Aquaman not only has crossed the $900 million worldwide box office and has entered the top 50 films of all time, but it is looks like it is set to cross the $1 billion mark this week. Uh, that has made it the number one grossing film in the DC Extended Universe, and I think puts it just on the heels of the top DC grossing movies of all time, the first being uh, The Dark Knight Rises, which made $1.085 billion, and The Dark Knight, which was $1.005 billion. So if it crosses, or when it crosses that $1 billion mark, it is pretty close to becoming possibly the highest rated grossing DC film. Uh, it was unseated here in the U.S. finally by Bumblebee. Um, and that as well, not in the U.S. in the uh, as a worldwide film, it was unseated by Bumblebee thanks to the uh, the film opening in China. Uh, Bumblebee, the number one movie worldwide this week, but Aquaman had it for the past couple weeks, so that's pretty damn cool. Um, oh, I missed one for television as well. The Gotham season five premiere just debuted this week, uh, and the reason why I didn't mention this one as quickly is because it does contain spoilers, so I'm not going to go too full into 
exactly what this story pertains to, but I will say that Gotham has killed off a major long-running character in the Season 5 premiere. I'm not going to say who it is because if you are a Gotham fan and you have not yet had the opportunity to watch it, I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, but I will say as somebody who did watch the premiere, I'm very excited for what this, this final season of Gotham is going to bring to us. Uh, lastly, in when it comes to film... Again, take this with a grain of salt because it is, yet again, still a rumor, but the Batman reportedly begins shooting this November. Um, again, we don't know. We've heard this time and time again about these films, especially when it comes to the Batman. But rumors are out there that the film will be be filming this November. It could even be start. It could even begin shooting this summer. So it's going to be a wait and see at this point when it comes to that last story of this uh this issue this is one is rather unfortunate but i did want to bring it to attention especially for people who are smallville fans and know of jonathan schneider aka jonathan kent from the series uh the smallville star has addressed uh, property seizure that he has had and has been and is asking the fans for help. Uh, I'm actually reaching out to Jonathan as well to see if we can get him on the podcast to maybe bring a little more attention to the situation, find other ways that we can help at the same time. But recently it was learned that Smallville's Jonathan Schneider could lose his 58-acre plot and the studio located on it, and he's now addressing the situation with fans, letting them know how they can help. Uh, if you want to get more information on this, we'll post this story on the Facebook page as well. Uh, but you can also uh, look up Jonathan Schneider on his Twitter, which I think is at Jonathan Schneider. Or you can go to Jonathan Schneider Studios store or Jonathan Schneider Studios.com to get more information on everything that's going on and ways that you can help out his situation right now. But hopefully we'll get him on the podcast sometime soon so he can talk to us a little bit more in detail uh we can get it right from right from him uh that's gonna be that's gonna be it for the dc news this week uh no recommendation for you this week uh basically we are going to be taking one more break next week as the flash does come back the following then arrow and supergirl return the week after that so Next week, we are still going to bring you some content, but we're going to let you decide what it is. So we want to hear from you, the fans uh, and the listeners out there, our supporters. What do you want to hear us put into next week's podcast? We're going to bring you news, as we usually do, but we also, uh, you know, this could be a panel that I have done in the past because I have audio of all the panels. I've done panels with Stephen. I did the OTA panel with Stephen Amell, Emily Bett Rickards, and... David Ramsey. I've I have uh, the John the John Barrowman panel that I did the introduction for, and we can play the full audio of that. I have panels of Josh Segura, Echo Kellum, and Rick Gonzalez. Uh, the Firestorm Flash or the Firestorm panel with Victor Garber and Robbie Amell. The Legends of Tomorrow Flash panel that I did from Heroes and Villains New York a couple years ago, or Heroes and Villains New Jersey a couple years back. The choice is yours. Please let me know. Do you want to hear a panel? Do you want to hear an interview? What uh, We have the Teddy Sears interview, the, the uh, John Wesley Ship interviews. Um, we have a number of them. So let us know. Hit us up. Uh, message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash dcprimetime, uh, or uh, send us an email, dcprimetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, and let us know what you want to hear 
uh, in next week's podcast. On top of that, I would encourage you to check out the rest of the podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. NextLevelRadioOnline.com is the website where you can find all of the podcasts, as well as Facebook.com slash NextLevelRadioOnline. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at DC Primers. And of course, I want to pitch Rob's podcast also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, which you can also find NextLevelRadioOnline.com. Uh, I know we're gearing up to jump into the new year with some new shows with that as well because I do participate in that podcast from time to time. Uh, But that is going to wrap it up for this edition. We hope, again, you guys had a great new year. We're looking forward to talking to you next week with some kind of, again, revisit of something. And then the week after that, we're back as the Arrowverse returns with the mid-season premiere of The Flash. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you guys around the bend. Take care.